So I left off last week on the fifth step, somewhere around the ego must be smashed. The ego must be smashed. Self-centered ego keeps us separate, separate from our pure light mind, separate from being seen. This is an experiment that we just did about letting go of the ego. That in the 12-step recovery, the ego must be smashed. So I read that poem. I'll read it again. Did you like the poem? Do you remember the poem? So long ago. The Journey by Mary Oliver. One day you finally knew what you had to do and began, though the voices around you kept shouting their bad advice, though the whole house began to tremble and you felt the old tug at your ankles, mend my life, each voice cried. But you didn't stop. You knew what you had to do, though the wind pried with its stiff fingers at the very foundations, though their melancholy was terrible. It was already late enough and a wild night, and the road full of fallen branches and stones. But little by little, as you left their voices behind, the stars began to burn through the sheets of clouds, and there was a new voice which you slowly recognized as your own, that kept you company as you strode deeper and deeper into the world, determined to do the only thing you could do, determined to save the only life you could save. The Journey by Mary Oliver. And I just love that poem because it's what we're doing. You know, we're like, oh yeah, oh the mind, it's insane, right? It has all these, all of its bad advice, all of its, you know, you should smoke crack, it's really fun. You should, you know, you should, uh, you know, jump out of a perfectly good airplane, you know, whatever, you know, whatever it is. That it comes up with everything that is about getting out of the moment. And so by saying, by recognizing, you know, uh, uh, that this is just the process of the mind. And then... When, when we can look to and see, you know, our character defects, right? Which, you know, the word defect kind of bugs me. But, but it's important, I think, to look at, you know, what, what does character defect mean, you know? Um, you know, or uh, uh, I think I, I put, I made it, I said something else. Unwholesome characteristics, right? Temperaments of unwholesome characteristics is another way to look at character defects. Because from a Buddhist perspective, we have these uh, unwholesome way actions and ways in which we kind of spend our mental uh, time. And then we have these wholesome actions and ways that we spend our, our mental time. And we can choose, which is the goal. Right? To be able to, I don't know the goal, but it's the privilege, the privilege of being human, you know, is having this awareness. But part of it is uh, with the separation is looking at, you know, is this my pain? Is it my feelings? Or is it the pain? The feelings? Are your feelings any different than my feelings? Do we have different feelings? No. Maybe different times we feel different things based on causes and conditions. 
But so it takes it out of the separate. If you knew about my pain, you know, my secrets, are your secrets so different than mine? Probably not. They still affect us the same ways. The situ- causes and conditions may be different. This is kind of what the Buddha was pointing to with the idea of not-self. Stop spending so much time thinking about yourself. <laughs> and that's what this is, this is what the 12-step recovery says. You know, Freedom from the bondage of self. Right? That we are selfish and self-centered. Right? And, and, and until we have freedom from that bondage of self, we will continue to suffer. We will continue to drink and do drugs and act in a horrible way you know, to self and others. So just some things I was thinking about on the kind of fifth step. And the fifth step is about, you guys just did like a little bit of a fifth step. It was a little bit of that, like just being honest with what's really going on in here. You know, which being honest with some of the things that we hold on to. You know, that is it really helpful to hold on to? You know, the fact that uh, uh, I gave Justin, you know, what was his name? Fletcher Blackburn, a bloody nose in seventh grade, you know, does it, does it, and it, and to be either upset about that or, you know, or still angry about, does it, is it helpful? No. Not necessarily. So, sixth step. We're entirely ready to have God remove these defects of character. Take okay, a little bit of a problem with this step. All right. Uh, so we're entirely ready to remove these, you know, defects of character. I want to read a little bit about this because it, it just from the the sixth step, the line of it sounds pretty, you know, religious and heavily relying on a power greater than ourselves, which is, you know, is somewhat true. I mean, it is true. That's what this step is about. But let me read the sixth step in the twelve and twelve. Um, from a little bit of a different well I mean it's just a little different view I think it's a little bit more Buddhist (laughs) since most of us are born with an abundance of natural desires it isn't strange that we often let these far exceed their intended purpose when they drive us blindly or we willfully demand that they supply us with more satisfactions or pleasures than are possible or do us, right? That is that is the point at which we depart from the degree uh, of perfection that God wishes for us here on earth. That is the, the measure of our uh, character defects, or if you wish, our sins. If we ask, if we ask, God will certainly forgive our derelictions, but in no case... Does he render us white as snow and keep us that way without our cooperation? That is something that we are supposed to be willing to work towards ourselves. So, remove, not really. Become more aware of, definitely. So let me just read this other little little piece. This is say 65 and 66 of the 12, 12 by 12. 
Practically, uh, everybody wishes to be rid of the most glaring and destructive handicaps. No one wants to be so proud uh, that, that he or she is scorned as a braggart. Braggart. Interesting 1930s word. Um, say, nor so greedy that he is labeled a thief. No one wants to be angry enough to murder, lustful enough to rape, gluttonous enough to ruin his or her health. No one wants to be agonized by chronic pain of by chronic pain of envy or to be uh, paralyzed by sloth. Right? Of course, most human beings don't suffer these defects at these rock bottom levels. Right. So most people aren't. Uh, what this is saying is, you know, this is pretty common for us to have these. Right. Uh, in Catholicism or Christianity, the seven deadly sins. Right? In Buddhism, the hindrances. So I'll go through the hindrances. Because, well, actually, so this is the unskillful, some of the ways in which we, we, we get hindered in our, in our awakening, our liberation, freedom, whatever you want to call it. Right? Freedom from suffering. The ways in which we get hindered from our uh, progress in mindfulness meditation. Right? And so the precepts are actually, I mean, I'm sorry, the hindrances are actually um, aspects of really three root uh, causes of suffering. Right? The roots of suffering. Right. In Buddhism, in Pali, called the kilesas, which means torments of mind. The word kilesa means torment of mind. So these are greed, right. hatred, or ill will, and uh, delusion, right. or otherwise known as ignorance. Ignorance, delusion, similar. Delusion is a, a form of ignorance, or a precursor to ignorance. So... Now, the hindrances I'm about to say are similar to the seven deadly sins, right? But they all are rooted in greed, hatred, and delusion, right? Which the Buddha called the roots of suffering, known as the kalesas. And that the kalesas uh, must be destroyed, right? Now, how how they're destroyed, you know, another common... Some people don't like it when I say meditate and destroy. Destroy what? Why that's so violent? No, you've got to destroy them. Right? Destroy greed. How do you do that? Through generosity. Right? Destroy hatred. Through how? Kindness. Right? Destroy delusion. Through how? Wisdom. Right? So you're destroying unwholesome, unskillful, not helpful. And by doing so, you're cultivating... Helpful, skillful, wholesome. So we'll get more into this, right? But we all have done this, and we all do continue to act out in greed, hatred, and delusion. You know, otherwise you wouldn't be suffering at all. But we do. But that's the the, the goal. The ideal is to uproot, destroy the kalesis. So. The ways in which we can begin to look at this, begin to work at this, just in our everyday meditation practice, is through the hindrances, right? And they are sensual desire or craving, 
So this wanting mind, this desire for comfort, right? We've been talking a lot about desire and craving here, right? Uh, the first, my first talk was mainly about that, desire and craving, right? and how that's, that's a, a cause of our suffering and a cause of our addiction, right? The thirst, right? What the Buddha uh, called tanha, right? Thirst that can never be quenched. I gave the the hungry ghosts analogy. So then, uh, anger or ill will, you know, comes off in many different aversion, pushing away, right? dislike. And there's there's more more examples that we'll get into when I hand these packets out. But um, but anger or ill will, so sloth and torpor, right? Sluggishness of the mind, lack of motivation. You know, this is a, a hindrance, right? Kind of different than sleepiness. Sleepiness is also part of it. But sleepiness happens. You know, you come and you're probably tired right now. Tired of me talking, tired, you know, tired of the, you know, your knee hurting, whatever. And it's okay to be that. But then to be able to bring energy, to bring what's called virya, right? Vitality to your practice, to your mind, to your heart. This is a way to kind of work with this. So then restlessness, right? The opposite of sloth and torpor, agitation. Some, sometimes we have too much energy and we are, our mind's racing the freeway of thought. There's like one breath every, you know, 10 minutes that you're aware of, you know, happens. Yeah. Oh, restlessness. I see you. You know, oh, sl- sleepiness. God, I'm really sleepy right now. It'll pass. What can I do? Open my eyes, stand up. You know, I remember when I was really sleepy in some certain uh, meditation retreats, always middle of the day. You know, you have lunch, it's hot, it's just the worst. Go put cold water on the back of the neck and around behind the ears. I gotta stay up, I gotta stay up. Sometimes just take a nap. You're tired, you know. But knowing that there are hindrances, there are things that hinder us from the the uh, mindful awareness, present time awareness. So, along with restlessness, is also uh, worry, right? So when when our mind is restless, right, or our, our body is restless, there's usually a level of the agitation of the mind. And, it, and a lot of times, I mean, if you begin to look at the nuances of it, then you can see that these are, uh, it's leaning forward, right? worrying, anxiety. It's another way of saying worry. <laughs> Fretters. Uh, one, of the, one of my teachers, uh, one of the teachers at Spirit Rock, Sylvia Bornstein, uh, says uh, she's, she was a recovering fretter. And she just looks like a fretter, too. She's always fretting. Like the way she walks and stuff, but she's very calm and peaceful. You know, she's recovered. You know, we're fretter. I thought that was funny. And then the last of the hindrances is doubt, and probably one of the biggest and long-lasting. And so there's this story of the Buddha that the Buddha had to battle all of these, just like we all have to battle uh, desire and ill will 
and uh, doubt and restlessness and sleepiness. That the Buddha, uh, after he started eating a little bit of food, once he tried to starve himself and did a bunch of yoga and thought, you know, deep concentration practice, he'd become liberated, enlightened, and he almost died, you know, by starving himself. He was eating like one piece of rice a day is the story, right? I don't know how anyone could live on one run, but hey, one piece of rice, maybe. But he then began to, to, to drink, eat a little bit of rice, drink a little bit of milk, rice milk or something like that, every day, just one time a day. He got some strength and then he walked from... So there's this place in Bodhgaya. Bodhgaya is in uh, central, uh, well, it's, yeah, it's northern India. To another, he was in a cave starving, right? And then he walked just outside of Bodhgaya. I can't remember the name of the place, but I actually did the walk. And it was a long walk. It took all day, right? And I had full energy, you know. Uh, but walked down to this grove and sat under a tree and made a clear determination, right? I will not move from this spot until I have uh, uh, become awakened, you know, until I have uh, kind of really overcome the hindrances is really what he's saying. This is seven years of, you know, serious practice. So the story goes that Mara, right, Mara is the ego, right? The, the devilish uh, underworld character in the cosmology. The, um, but really, the part of ourselves, call it your addict. The part of ourselves that doesn't want, the part of the, the mind, I should say, that doesn't want to be free. And so um, it's often known in psychology, Buddhist psychology, as the ego. Right, and if you you know if you look at uh, you know desire and ill will, and as we look a little more into it, you know uh, we start to break that down a little bit, and we'll see how how it drives our ego. So uh, the story is that Mara, um, once he was like, I'm not getting up from the spot. This statue behind me is a, a depiction of that moment, um, and and he says. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not. I will. This is my final seat. I'm not getting up until I've become fully enlightened. And Mara was like, "Oh, I'll show you." And then started putting images in his mind. And there's a depiction of, of that's actually you know uh, seductive dancing women that are you know bare breasted with tons of food and you know just like don't you want to eat and have fun? You know, like what happens in our minds. You know, just a little, just one more joint, you know, would be good. Or, or oh, a beer would be nice right now. Whatever that desire, craving that comes in, right? And, and, and the Buddha just, just said, I see you, Mara. Your tricks are not working anymore. I see you. And then, boom, that vanish, right? And then anger and ill will, hostility comes. And it's the armies of Mara, these demons with bows and arrows. And they're shooting straight at, at uh, the Buddha. And the Buddha also acknowledges, I see you, but extends compassion to Mara at this point. And the compassion turns all of the arrows into flowers. Right? So pretty story, right? It's got all this you know, uh, uh, iconography and got all this visual 
stuff. But it's really about the, the mind and how we can overcome greed through kindness. And we can overcome, I mean, I'm sorry, greed through generosity, right? We can overcome uh, uh, the, the ill will or anger with loving kindness. We can overcome delusion with, with wisdom. I see you as wisdom. Right? Versus being, you know, kind of numbed out, not being seen, not seeing clearly. So, so on and so forth, right? Through the five hindrances. And then the final, um, the final uh, hindrance that the Buddha has to uh, uh, battle is doubt. And basically what happens is Mara, like, Poof shows up right in front of the Buddha and says, What gives you the right? Who do you think you are to become enlightened? Like, what gives you the right to do this? You know, basically, you're not any special. You're not more special than me or anyone else for that matter, right? Doubt. And then the Buddha touches the, the, the earth, right? And says, as the earth is my witness, um, I have just as much right to awaken as anybody. And so, uh, uh, the the Mara, and then, so Mara, you know, the the final kind of brick of the house of doubt gets crumbled. Brick of denial falls away, and then the Buddha becomes enlightened. Shortly thereafter. But that was the vanquish. That was the battle that we all go through every time we're sitting in meditation. Whether it's restlessness or ill will or self-loathing. I see you. And you're not going to deter me from my true nature. Which is, you know, pure light, mind, happiness. What uh, the Buddha referred to as Nibbana. Nibbana just means a quenching of the thirst. It actually means a, a, a quenching of the fire. So suffering being the fire that burns. Right. Dukkha, the fire that burns. Right. And uh, uh, Nibbana just means uh, like a, a quenching or a, a putting out of the fire. And how do we do that? By not giving it fuel. If we don't give fire fuel, fire burns out. So acting in unwholesome and unskillful ways gives fuel to anger, gives fuel to greed, gives fuel to ignorance. And so the Buddha really is saying, live in a way that is less harming, that is helpful, that is of being generous, you know, and so on. And there's five precepts, and we'll get into that more uh, uh, in the future. So I just felt like that's totally not what I was going to talk about tonight. <laughs> but I just felt like that was an important story to say. And I want to, and I love the imagery of it, and it's so true in in our direct experience that Mara is our mind, the 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 the, the part of the ego, right? It's probably, it's very Freudian too, 
right? It's very, it's very connected to uh, uh, the psychoanalytic view of what's it, the, the ego and the superego. You know, I can't remember it all right now. I have to like read a paper I wrote about it or something. <laughs> but it's very connected, right? That the ego that is trying to kill us, the, uh, the, the addict that is trying to kill us, that doesn't want us, to live well and be good. You know? I love that you said that. Uh, I have a, uh, a belief that I came to once I started to see it in myself, which is that I have an original goodness that has never been tarnished. An original goodness. And we all have that. No matter how horrible we think we've been, we all have an original goodness. And that's kind of what the Buddha pointed to, you know. So. But it takes work to get there. So I have some things to uh, pass out to you. Um, an assignment, some homework. So if you choose to accept. So if you have a... Uh, I'll just turn this off now. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.